Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Well, my, good morning, Sunrise. How are you guys doing today? I am so excited to be here. Um, first and foremost, I always do this. I never take this lightly. Um, and so I want to give honor where honor's due. And I want to give honor to Pastor Steve. And Kate, thank you guys for giving me this honor to be up here today. Uh, can you guys give them a hand? I know he loves when we do this, but um, it's good to be led by somebody with humility and with vision. Amen? And um, yes, my name is Diamond. That's not something I chose. My mother gave. Don't laugh. Y'all laugh. I wasn't even done with the joke yet. <laughs> but... Um, I have the honor and privilege of being the youth pastor here at the Rialto campus. So can you guys give a hand for your kids? Yeah. I've seen a few of them in here, up there. Like they waved to say what's up. <laughs> um, and I love it. I honestly, I love uh, your kids. I love that they have so much vision um, and that they are so determined. This generation is a determined generation to be successful. I'll tell you that. And uh, I'm honored that God put me in a position to at least guide them in the right direction. So um, I'm here to partner with you guys. And so thank you for trusting me with your kids. With all that being said, let's get into the word. So um, I'm going to share a little bit of my story, uh, a little bit of my truth. And I'm going to be very transparent and open. That's the only way I can preach the gospel is to show you this guy. And ultimately, the end goal will be that you would see, not see me, but see Christ. And, um, and so if you would take this ride with me uh, on this Sunday morning, it's 11 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they, were at, they didn't talk back as much because they were waking up. But you guys, I have faith in you that you guys will be so energized and ready to go. Uh, amen? All right, all right. So um, at the beginning of the month, we started a series called Behold the Light. And uh, we have been working our way through the powerful words uh, about Jesus found in the Gospel of John. And the reason... For his coming. And see, Christmas is just eight days away. Who's excited for Christmas? Some of y'all. Yeah, see, if I were to ask your kids, it would be an uproar. They're like, yeah, I can't wait to get this, this, and this. And I know some of you parents are like, I can't wait for Christmas to be over. And some of y'all got one child. Some of y'all got 10 children. I'm praying for every one of y'all. So um, in week one, uh, we were focused on our attention uh, on, the, on John chapter 1, 1 through 5. Um, and this stood out to me. It says here, in John chapter 1, 3 through 5, it says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light for all mankind. Now, this is the verse that I love. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let that sit. Today, we are going to emphasize on that as well, because there was a time where I was surrounded by darkness. And as you can tell, it did not overcome the promises of God. Um, and I believe that in every single one of you guys as well. So as you're clapping, trust me, I'm clapping for you, because your story is being written as well. Um, now, in week two, last week, 
uh, we discussed the complications surrounding the pregnancy and the miraculous birth of John the Baptist. In John chapter 1, verse 6 and 8, it says that uh, there was a man sent from God who was named John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And he makes it very clear. And so today, we're going to be going into part three of our message. And if you have your Bible or Bible app, anybody have the real, the actual Bible in here? Yeah. See, I, in youth, I would give out rewards. I'm not giving y'all rewards today. But we're going to go ahead. And if you guys can turn with me to John chapter one, verse nine. You don't have to say amen when you got it. Just, just, just get it. But in John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, the true light that the Apostle John was referring to was the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus Christ. This is a great news because Israel was waiting 400, over 400 years, and now Jesus was coming into the world to, to illuminate his people. In John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and through the world he was made. It was, he, he, ah, sorry, through the world was made through him. That's a lot of through and though. And it says, the world did not recognize him. He came to, to which was his own. And listen to this. His own did not recognize him. God placed enough light in everyone, of all mankind, to reflect Jesus Christ. And I want to sit in this to let you guys know that Jesus Christ has placed enough light in you to shine in the darkness that you stand in right now. So whether it be your job, your kids, your marriage, a loss, an addiction, whatever you're going through, and that darkness feels like it's succumbing and it's closing in, God has given you enough light to be guided into that, to be guided out, to pull someone through. Now, if you've already made it out of that darkness, you now have the light to bring someone out. Amen? And see, as, the, as a creator... The world belongs to Jesus, but the world did not even recognize him due to their spiritual blindness. Now, this is where I want to share a little bit about me. See, there was a time where I was blinded by my own situations. See, I love Christmas. My wife and I just came back from Seattle, and about two and a half hours into Washington, there's a little town called Leavenworth. Now, this is not a plug. They don't sponsor me. But if you guys ever go to, to Washington, please go there because it is a Christmas Hallmark movie-inspired town. Like, it is, it, they're just missing cameras. That's all it is. Some of I see some of y'all giving me a thumbs up. Y'all been there? It's amazing. Uh, I was telling Pastor Steve we almost didn't come back. But we love you guys so much we had to rush back here, and plus I had to give the message. So it would be kind of weird giving it from Seattle. But we loved it so much. I love Christmas. You know, and Elf is one of my favorite movies. I, I just want to scream Santa. I do it sometimes when me and my wife are watching it. Like, out of nowhere, I just scream it, and she's like, "Woo!" But um, it wasn't always like that. Christmas, to me, was not the best season. See, December 4th, 1993, I was four years old. 
And my father, uh, he was in Las Vegas helping his sister and, and her kids. And um, what I found out was that he was getting enough money so that when he came back to Los Angeles, he would be able to provide for me and my sister. And uh, he never got that chance because on December 4th, uh, around 9, 10 o'clock, there was a knock on the door. And when he went to open it, he looked at the peephole. It was black. They put their finger up against it. And it, out comes a home invasion. And they pointed a gun at my cousin. And being my dad, being the man he is, uh, he didn't hesitate. He wrestled them to the ground, and they unloaded three clips into him. And uh, I don't know the exact amount of numbers. But all I know is uh, that day my life was impacted. And then uh, he didn't pass away through that, though. By the, you know, I was never told that story, but growing up, I found out that he did not pass away at that moment. My dad was a fighter. My dad had some strength to him. And I believe it was for a reason, because God did something through him. And um, December 26th, the day after Christmas, my life changed forever. As I'm waiting at four years old, waiting for my dad to come home, my mother gets the call that he has gone, gone to be with the Lord. And that, when I talk about darkness closing in on a four-year-old who was waiting, not for a present, not for Santa, but was waiting for his father to come home, and he never did. And I waited, I wouldn't believe, every Christmas from that point. It sounds ridiculous, but every Christmas after that, I was waiting. I was waiting. And so when people would talk about the love and the joy and the peace and the grace and the mighty name of Jesus and how he came and they followed a star and all this stuff, I didn't want to hear it. Because the man that was supposed to guide me, love me, show me the way, God took from me. So I thought. That was my mindset. So the, the present that he gave us, I felt he took mine away. And if you guys ever felt that way, you, uh, it's, it's, darkness doesn't give it enough justice. And so I want to pause there because I want you guys, if you can see yourself at any moment in any of these things that I give you, any illustrations, any word of my testimony, if you can find yourself in there, I want you to hold that because at the end of this, we're going to see Christ in this. So let's go back to verse 11, where it says, his own did not receive him. Now, although they possessed the scriptures and they testified for, this per for his person coming, they still did not believe or accept his message. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The children, of, children born not of natural descent, or, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, these verses will speak of God's unconditional love for humanity. But what does that mean? What does that mean when he said he gave us the right to be children of God? And what does that mean? It says here, this new birth doesn't come by natural descent, but it's a supernatural work of God and adoption. For this to happen, Jesus had to bridge the spiritual gap between God and man. And he did that through Jesus. And this was done 
by this word that we sung in that song, this word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And so to examine this, let's jump into Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, quote, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, who are these people? The Magi. I just found out how to say this word. I thought it was Maggie, but don't laugh. Y'all would have thought the same thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that's what I was thinking. I had to come talk to Pastor Steve and say, how do I say this word? I don't want to mess it up. But they were a group of wise men who were magicians or astrologers from the region of Persia. Now, this is not the pull the bunny out the hat type magicians. This, that's not what that is. This was a, a spiritual thing. They were really going in on this. They can be traced back to the Hebrew people during the life of Daniel when Israel was in captivity uh, in Babylon. And after the birth of Jesus, by the supernatural means, God the Father got their attention by placing a unique star in the sky. And so they entered the city of Jerusalem and started inquiring about Jesus. Now, listen to this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 and 6. When King Herod heard the news, heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's uh, chief priests, the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In verse 5, quote, they said, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come the ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. This information disturbed King Herod because look what he did next. Verse 7, he says, when Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. The king wasn't excited. He wasn't overjoyed by the news. He wanted nothing to do with the king of the Jews. Now, as we unpack this entire story in this Bible and mine, I want to give you three ways that you can respond to the gospel. If this is your first time here and you are in search of something, I want to encourage you to look into this story as we go through it and find yourself in your situation. So the first way that you can respond to the gospel is what I did. You can reject the light. See, after my life was changed at four, um, I'm one of six. Now, I'm, I don't know how you would call the middle. I'm number three, so it's kind of an even number. But I was, my older brother, he, we didn't know who, I had an older brother until I was 14. Or no, sorry, when I was 12. So to me, I was one of five. So I was the man of the house. I don't know how that works to this day. I still don't know. I was only four. I didn't have a job, couldn't provide. But I just know there was a lot of responsibility put on me by my mother and it was tough because my sister didn't listen to me. And um, my mom, she, that is, that is my, 
I love my mother. I am a mama's boy. I have no problem saying it. My mother's the only reason I even entertain the thought of being with my wife. I was single, single, like as a Pringle. Don't you see, look, they, they just laugh. But I was, I was not, inter- I wasn't looking for it. It wasn't me. And then my mom, she was like, I like her. And when mom says she likes somebody, I was like, hey, how you doing? You know? Um, and so my mom did the best she could. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I now see what happened. My mother lost the love of her life. And so there was hurt there. There was an emptiness. And we weren't raised in the house of God, so we didn't know what to resort to. And if you're like me, you know when push comes to shove, you hit survival mode. And you do what you can to fend for your family. And my mom tried to look for love, and through that process, uh, I got my brothers and sisters out of it. But the men in, their, in my mom's life, they would abuse me. And I was not born this size by stretch of imagination. But they would take liberties and putting their frustration out on me. So from the time I was five to the time I was 16, it was beating, after abuse, after words, everything just poured into my life. And when all these beatings would happen, and I'll never forget this one moment where I thought I saw God. Because when I was getting beat up, and I'm not trying to be too graphic, but I was getting beat up, I would only imagine what would my father do right now if he was here. I have a heart for single mothers, but fathers, you are so important. Not just for the protection physically, but the spiritual protection, the guidance. And I would think, man, if my dad was here right now, you would not be doing this. But he wasn't. And so I wanted nothing to do with God. I found myself just like King Harold. I didn't want to hear about the goodness of the Savior. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, it says, When Harold realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in this vicinity who were two years old and under. He only cared about his throne, his position, his lifestyle. Does that sound familiar? He was only worried about him. I know Pastor Steve has mentioned my various lifestyles of career. I was a football player. I was a wrestler. Don't look it up on Google. He's been trying to Google me for the longest time. But it, it was something that I wanted. Because, see, when these men took liberties with me, I vowed that no one would ever do that again. And so I did everything I could to defend myself. I grew a hard heart. The people that would abuse me, guess what I would end up doing? Abusing others. So I went from being bullied in school to being the bully. And when I tell you I was the bully, I I became a bouncer at 17. I became a very angry young child until I was about the age of 23. And many, nothing has changed today with society. Because when I was in that anger, 
Didn't want to hear Jesus. When I was in that uh, deception, wanted nothing to do with the goodness of God. Can you relate? But see, many people reject Jesus out of fear of uncertainty. Many people reject Jesus because of pure stubbornness. They just don't want to. They want to be in control of their life. Others willingly reject Jesus because they don't want to give up their throne. Now, in 2013, I caught myself in a, in a mix of lifestyles, something I poured 18 years of my life into in football. And I heard God tell me to walk away from the game I loved, the game that made me. I, told, I heard him tell me, do not go back and lace up them boots and walk through those ropes ever again. And in 2013, when my illustrious Ravens won the Super Bowl, which we're going to do again this year, uh, be in agreement with me. So the Ravens won the Super Bowl, and I was thrilled. Then I woke up the next morning to the worst scream of my life. And my sister runs downstairs, and she tells me, hey, Keith is murdered. Now, Keith is my cousin. Keith is my dad's brother's middle child that we were like brothers. He's the reason I pursued my dreams. He helped me. And if there was a, a line of good people to get to heaven, I would believe he would be the first one in line because of who he was. Amazing man. 2013, a man by the name of Christopher Dorner killed my cousin and his wife, Monica Kwan. And I don't know if you ever heard that on the news. It was all over the news. And as I flip these channels, I'm hearing people justify this man's killing, and I'm hearing people justify my cousin's life being taken. And it was throwing me for a loop because now it's public. And I thought to myself again, as the minute I think I'm coming out of this darkness, it happened again. I didn't know what to do. I could not make this better. There wasn't a contract. There wasn't an amount of money. There wasn't a drugs. There wasn't anything that could make this feeling that I'm having go away. Some of us would just sit and allow it to happen. Those who would run away from it. My mother wouldn't let me do either. My mother ended up finding Christ a few years back, and she invited me to this church. And I came... You know, because you got to please mom. And I came, and I'm still thinking about this. And my sister, my older sister, was sitting next to me, and I'll never forget it. I'm looking at these people raise their hand and shout and scream and, and worship God. And I'm just sitting here like, they don't know what happened to me just now. See, a lot of times we worship God in this house, but we don't look to each other and know that there are people next to you that are fighting storms that they don't talk to people about. And there's kids that fight battles that they don't talk to their parents about. And they hold it in. And as I'm holding this in, I remember telling God, and this is my first conversation with God in a while, I told him, I was like, I'm going to tell you something. I said, God, if you can give me peace about where my cousin is, I will serve you the rest of my life. And as I'm standing there, the gates of heaven didn't open up. There wasn't a bright spotlight that for some reason hit me. It wasn't none of that. But I heard 
an inkling of something that told me to walk to that altar. And so I looked at my sister. I said, hey, I'm going to go up there for Keith. You can join me if you like. And she did. We walked up there. And I'm not a crier. Well, let me rephrase that. I wasn't a crier before my wife. Like my, my God used my wife to just bring my emotions out. And I, I mean, I'm tough. I just want to let you know. I'm, I'm tough. But man, every step I took, I felt this undeniable sense of just vulnerability. Like, these people don't know me. They don't know my secret. But yet, the minute I get closer to them, it's like I want to tell them. I want to just pour it out. And I started crying. And my sister looked at me and saw me crying, and she's just hysterical crier, right? And then, so I'm just sitting there, and I'm I'm mad, but I'm telling God, Lord, I want to serve you, but I'm just, I can't. And I went back to that altar over and over and over. Maybe six weeks, I kept going. But every time I would go, it was like God was shaking me and things were falling off. I felt like there was something that was on me that I didn't ask for. Maybe it was generational. Maybe it was something that was just put on me. But I felt it being shaken off. And that was because of my willingness to receive the light. And that goes into our second point. You can respond to the gospel by receiving the light. See, the Magi were receptive to this light. And on this journey, they say in a straight line it was like 900 miles, but they couldn't take the 405 freeway or the 210 to get to where they're going. So I'm, it added about probably 600, and I'm just being graceful here. So about 1,500 miles, and they didn't drive a Tesla. They were walking, right? But they didn't care about the distance. They wanted to see the king of the Jews. I don't know where you stand today, but when I was broken, there was no distance that blocked me from reaching God. I didn't allow the moment I went to that altar, I didn't allow distance to stop me from getting to God. I knew there was a bridge. When I told you earlier, God gave Jesus Christ as the bridge between God and us. I knew if I just trusted to walk on that bridge, that I would find God and ultimately find who I'm supposed to be. And so in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Remember, these were Gentile men. But that all went out the window when they saw Jesus. You may be dealing with all sorts of things, physically, Mentally, spiritually. But all that has to bow at the feet of Jesus. Depression has to bow. Suicide has to bow. Lust, anger, depression, anxiety, jealousy. I can continue to write a list, but all those things must bow at the feet of Jesus. My question is, are you bringing it to the feet of Jesus? Jesus. 
Don't answer. Now, what does it mean to become or get the right to become children of God? Form of adoption. This verse speaks about the adoption into a family of God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 6, it says, Praise be to the Lord, or sorry, praise be to the God of the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in the sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to praise to the praise of the, his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Once a person receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are adopted into the family of God. Now, as believers in Christ, we are rewarded with similar benefits. Can I share with you today? What I received when I received the light. I mean, I'm going to share it anyways, but I just wanted to ask. So the number one thing that I received was salvation. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will not perish, you'll have everlasting life. So I received salvation. Second thing I received was Peace. Despite what was waiting on the other side of that door. Because, you know, when you are in church and you receive this, the moment you walk out, somebody can cut you off on the freeway. They can even have a sunrise thing on the back, but you still like, ooh, I can't. You go to 9 or 11, like, I'm going to find out. But, like, things can stir you up the minute you leave. But despite what was going to happen to me outside that door, I received a peace about the storms that I was going to be encountering. The third thing I received was love. Now, I'm used to the accolades. I'm used to the the gold. I'm used to the money. I'm used to that stuff. And when I perform well, they give you more of it. And other people will call that love. But see, I have received a love that is unconditional. That despite when I perform bad, anybody here never sin? All right. So we all have fallen short, but yet God still loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, not even your opinion of God. So I received this and this next one that led into this, and I'm going to be so vulnerable with you all right now. I received forgiveness. I have done things in my life that I am not proud of. I've never been to jail or anything like that. But there could have been times. I have put people in hospitals. I have been violent. I have been angry. I have turned people away. So what makes me different than the people that took my father? See, in our eyes, we would say, well, you didn't kill anybody. But I hated people. I did. The Bible says if you have hatred in your heart, you already committed murder. But when I felt the forgiveness from God, you know what God prompted me to do? Forgive the people who killed my father. Now, this is not something that I just did. This was something that I had to do every single day. 
Now, those people who did it, they're no longer here. I know who did it. Forgiveness does not bring them to, from their judgment. They already, already got it. Forgiveness does nothing for them, but you know what it does for me? It doesn't condone what happens. It sets me free amen. to where I don't have to carry this burden. To where I, amen. If you were done wrong, forgiving the ones who do wrong does nothing for them except show God through you. Because why would you forgive? I had to forgive the man who killed my cousin. And I remember when he was in this house and it was, there was the cop, the SWAT team was surrounding this home and it was, came ablaze. I didn't catch myself saying, get him, get him, get him. I literally sat there and said, God, I hope he gives his life to you. Because I don't know what was going through his mind when he was in around fire, no way out. And they say he killed himself. And I can only imagine the torture that was going through his mind to take your own life. No man deserves to go to hell. And if you don't know that, if you read about hell, it is not a place where Jesus wants you to go. That's why he sent his son. And so I caught myself having to forgive. And through that, I got one more thing. And I got a hope, I got a future, and I got a purpose to inspire those that feel that they're succumbed by darkness, that there is light. Because I stand before you a man that has changed. I stand before you a man that was shown grace, that was shown love, mercy, peace, an unconditional love that is not based off performances. I was shown that. And so my duty in life, till the day I die, is to show people and inspire those to do the same. But see, that's, that's my testimony. That's my miracle. The miracles that we read about in the Bible are the past. What is yours? What has God done in your life that you can go tell people about? That you can shed and reflect, which goes into our third point. Reflect Jesus Christ. Reflect the life that God has given you. Each one of you have a testimony. And I know you guys are hearing mine, and that's fine. But you don't have to wait till you're on a platform to share your testimony. There are people that are waiting for you to be bold enough so that they can get the breakthrough that God is waiting for them to get. And it comes by just committing to do so. So the three ways that you can do this is reject it, you can receive it, and you can choose to reflect it. Now, we are living in a time that is very, very rough. This life is not getting any better. It's getting darker. The teens now have a battle that we will never know about that they're going to have to get ready for. Everything is right here. Everything. Their identity is in this thing. There is a battle that we, see, we can get rid of some things when we were kids. We didn't have to go on, well, I was on MySpace, but I don't know how y'all were. <laughs> but I can walk away from judgment. Nowadays, kids wake up. If they don't get enough likes on their post, they feel judged. They feel condemned. They feel hurt. If they don't get the instant gratification, they're done. But wouldn't it be amazing for parents? 
to give them that instant gratification by your love, by your words, by your like. I'm not saying go follow your kids. All I'm saying is but be there for them. You don't have to run from Jesus. A lot of us like to add Jesus to our life. That's not what he asks us to do. He's called, we're called to give up our life. Now, I stand before you more at peace, more in love, more with so much more purpose than I ever did holding a football or punching somebody in the mouth. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I shouldn't have never told people I wrestled. But I have so much more purpose in my life because I accepted the call of Jesus. Because I responded when the pastor said, if you have burdens that you need to get rid of, lay it down here. Now, in a moment, we're going to do the same. No one's here to judge you. You can leave your seat, walk up here. We're not going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you came up here. Because at one point, we all found ourselves needing God. I grew up wanting to be mentored. I grew up wanting to be loved by a man the right way. And now I can become who I always wanted. And you can too. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can believe that he rose from the dead. And you can commit to a life, not a perfect one, but a life that he has planned for you that is so filled with love, peace, joy, mercy, grace, long-suffering, all that. It's, it's the most amazing thing you can ever do. And so what I want to do today in our time is I want to pray for you guys because my story is not done. Everybody take a deep breath with me. See that? There is no period on that breath. God is still writing the story for your life. God is still doing something in your life. It is not done. That darkness will not succumb. It will not overtake the light. Those, those battles that you're facing, they will not overcome the cross. But you have to bring it at the feet of Jesus Christ. And it takes a conscious decision to do so. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to have a moment. We can bow our head and close our eyes. And if this resonated with you at any moment, if you, if you had your own story surrounded by darkness in search of the light, and you want to bring those things to God, now is the time. It all starts with accepting. No good person will ever go through the kingdom of heaven. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ died, rose again, and the best part, he is still here today. And so if you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, I want you to repeat these words out of the soundness of your heart and give this to God. Father God, 
Today, I give you my life. I lay my will. I lay my ideas. I lay my hurt, my pain, my brokenness. I lay it down at the feet of you. And I ask you, Lord, to come into my life. I ask you, Lord, to reign in my heart. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. And I want to live according to your will. I don't know what's coming, but I trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you said that, the pamphlet that you got, there was a uh, written portion there that you guys can write in your information. And I encourage you to do so. Here's why. My wife and I came to Sunrise a year ago because we were in search of community. And when I tell you we found it, we found it. We have been loved. We have been embraced. Not just by y'all, but your kids. Hopefully. Don't tell them I said that. But I love your kids, and I know that the love is reciprocated. Don't go through this life by yourself. There are people in this room outside there at our next step tables that want to help guide you, that want to help love you and reflect that life. Now, before I leave, you are going to have an opportunity to share your story. Don't all rush up here. This is not a mic moment. But it's Christmas time. We all have plans to be around family. And you know family is the hardest people to show Christ to, right? You all agree? Is it just me? Okay, you feel me. Okay, I just want to make sure. You know why it's hard to preach to family and show Jesus? Because they see the old you. I tell people at my wife and I's wedding, we had an altar call. It was amazing. People gave their life to the Lord. And right after, we had a fight at our wedding. Not me and her. We are fine. That wasn't us. But there was an actual physical altercation at my wedding. And looking back on it, it was a, it was a play by the enemy to see if I was going to react. Because when it happened, my family, now I am the protector of my family. I, I get that role. But now I notice it's spiritual more than physical. But they still see it as the physical. And when this fight happened, all my family looked at me and was like, are you going to handle this? And I did by asking the guy to leave. By saying, hey, look, man, you can stay, but you're going to have to leave if you keep this up. My family looked at me like I done, like, cussed or, or did something, like, disdaining. They were like, if it was the old diamond, he wouldn't even be able to talk. And I'm like, right. But that man's dead. He, dead men don't make decisions. You, that guy's gone. I'm no longer that person. Have you seen it yet? They were mad at me for a little bit, but it's Christmas time. They're fine. You're going to have an opportunity to show your family that you have changed. That there's Jesus in you. Because remember what I told you. God has given you enough light to shine onto others. If it's your first time here, you don't have to worry about coming up and preaching the gospel. But just let them know. I heard about this man named Jesus, and I'm going to give him a shot. I have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So before we leave, I'm going to pray us out. And I thank you for giving me your ear. And I pray that you guys were impacted by the gospel and not just me. So let's bow our head and close our eyes. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your divine purpose. Thank you, Lord, for your love and, your, and just, just who you are, God. 
You have done so much for us, and we can never repay you. But I pray for everybody in this room, every house that's represented, that they would see you, that they would seek you, that they would knock on that door, and that, that they would open it and embrace you and bring you in, into their heart. I pray for traveling mercies, Father God, as we go to our destination. But ultimately, I pray for our families to be unified. I pray for them to be set upon the throne of Jesus Christ. I pray for our families to be, their, their foundation to be rock solid on your word. And that through storms may come, their house will not fall. I am a product of a praying mother. And I know that the parents' prayers in here, God, are not going to return void. I know their kids are going to be set free. I know their parents will see them and be set free. And so I thank you for that in advance, for what you're doing. We celebrate you, we love you, and we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And all God's children said, oh, y'all could do better. God's children said, amen. amen. Thank you guys so much for this day. Love you guys. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.